when I work with business owners and they're stressed out, the company is stressed out and they think that it doesn't affect other people, but people ask them questions differently or they hold back information because they don't want to add to their burden of what they're going through. So it's really important that you figure out what you need to restore and rejuvenate and what makes you happy and what brings you joy so that then you can show up energized for everyone. I think that's the thing about leadership. It's like, take care of yourself because people are expecting you to show up and lead them. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 262 of the Anthropology Podcast. I am Megan Walker, and we are hanging out squarely at the intersection of mindset, health, and entrepreneurship today. And I am really, really delighted to have the opportunity to share with you someone who I have known, she reminded me, almost two decades, which also feels mathematically impossible. And yet, here we are. And we had this beautiful, frank, open, vulnerable discussion about what it means to be a parent what she likes to call a peaceful parentpreneur. What has to be true in our lives for us to build a business that has impact, to acquire and have access to an income that can support our family in the manner that we desire and show up as the parent that we want to be. Stephanie Allen is a consultant and entrepreneur, and she shares tremendous insight in terms of how we have our cake and eat it to as peaceful, successful parentpreneurs. Without further ado, I am excited to introduce you to my friend, Stephanie Allen. Stephanie Allen, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Hi, Meg. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, we have some super fun things to get into. We're going to be talking about parent guilt and building a business. We're going to talk about how we simultaneously have intentionality around our family while having impact in the world. We are going to talk about the village and team and how we curate and cultivate those those elements in our lives. And ultimately, this is all going to come down to, to leadership, how we lead ourselves, how we lead our teams, our companies, our influence in the world. Yes. But before we do that, here's what I would love for you to share with all of my listeners. I would love for you to give them a little bit more insight in terms of who this amazing woman, Stephanie Allen, is and how you came to this point in your career. Because I've known you for so long. Yes. I'm just super excited for uh, for my audience to get to know you too. Sure. So I think I've known you for almost two decades, actually, because I've known you at least for 10 and I knew you before that. So maybe it's like 13, 14 years. So we've and actually seen so young. I know, I totally <laughs> but you we've seen each other on our own journeys and in different ways. And so I think that's really really awesome. And I've been a part of your community, I think, from day one, which has been really beneficial. So when I was a kid, I had my own business and I didn't even know I was an entrepreneur yet. 
the age of 19, I had run a business, sold a business, paid to go to university. And then I went off into the world and I discovered who I was and all that. And I, I realized I really appreciate people that create business and founders because I knew how hard it was myself. And then I went off and helped people. So that was the, the first part of the beginning. But then I always felt good. I naturally felt good. And then I hit my 20s and I felt like crap. It's like I wasn't really taking care of myself. And then that's like in the journey of the later 20s, early 30s is when I met you. And I actually was tired of feeling bad about myself, like physically not feeling good. I wasn't eating the right food and I couldn't have a baby. I'd spent almost nine years trying to have a baby. So I didn't even know if I was going to become a parent. I wanted to be a parent and if I was going to be able to become a parent. So that's like the personal side of it. And then through all that, as I was going through that, I was working my way up, helping business owners scale their business. I started in project management, then I became a COO, and I realized I love this, creating global businesses and 2xing people's growth. And what makes me really unique is I love the financial system operational part of it, but I also love the people. So I think that's kind of my secret sauce. I look at the people and the systems around it and then figure out how to get that all in alignment so that we can have a healthy environment and a profitable environment and I double everyone's income. So, so that's me in a bit of a nutshell. I don't know. Does that help cover it all? I don't know. I, it was a big question. It is a big question because this is like the ultimate have your cake and eat it too situation that you're creating people. Let's put peace into your life and then simultaneously increase your profitability. And I want to start there because I think for a lot of people, there's this notion that to be profitable and and sustaining, it is this unrelenting work and infusion that we have to make into our businesses, which is maybe like entrepreneurship 1.0. It's like the old school way of diving into entrepreneurship. Can you just speak to this idea a little bit? Like, how do we actually have our cake and eat it too as entrepreneurs? Like, is that even possible? I think it's really deciding what you want first. Like, it might be different for everyone else. So I made a very clear decision that I wanted to have a virtual life with my family long before the pandemic because I wanted to be able to live anywhere and have the freedom to go anywhere. And even though I haven't fulfilled that fully, it's been great to have that mindset and it's actually prepared me for things that are out of my control. So you kind of need to define like, what are your boundaries or what are your non-negotiables? Right. One of the first things I ask everyone I work with is like, what are your non-negotiables? So on a personal level, you might have it, but in a business, I might call that your core values. Right. So our core values are our non-negotiables. And so when I'm in a business, what that means to be peaceful is that you actually make every decision from your core values. So when I'm helping people hire a team, I need to make sure that the people coming into the team have some common core values. And then that's how the decisions get made. So that's, that creates a peaceful environment because you're all aligned on what matters most. I think that's the, the secret thing. And then in the family unit, what really matters? In our family, it doesn't matter whether we all show up for dinner. If we all tried to show up for dinner, we would feel like we were failing each other. So we find other ways to show up and be together that is possible so that I can be running my business and my family can eat when they want to eat and not wait for me. It's figuring out what are your non-negotiables? What are the things that you must have in your life to be happy? And then build the systems and the business around that. 
I really appreciate that insight. And, you know, I was sharing with you just beforehand, I was running a few minutes late because I was on someone else's podcast and we were talking about, we were talking about leadership. And I said, one of the challenges I see, and I think it speaks to this is in working with entrepreneurs, how frequently people have not spent the time to create intentionality around what they want their business and business culture to be, but almost as importantly, or more importantly, what they want their life to look like. They haven't stopped to say, you know what, I do want to be home in time for dinner or to put my kids down at night. I do want to walk them to school in the morning. I do want to take two vacations a year. We are kind of like, well, once I'm through this busy phase, then I'll get clear on the things that I want. And I don't know about your experience, but mine is the people who are living their ideal life, the ones who are happiness, the ones who often appear, but behind closed doors, I think would also share their stress and satisfaction levels are highest. Those are the ones who just hit pause on all the things and got super clear on what success and happiness and fulfillment was going to look like for them. Is that what you're seeing too? Totally seeing it. You know, you talk a lot about this too, being intentional every day. And I think it's also figuring out when you you asked what peace meant, it's actually finding out what's peace within you. When I work with business owners and they're stressed out, the company is stressed out. And they think that it doesn't affect other people, but people like ask them questions differently or they hold back information because they don't want to add to their burden of what they're going through. So it's really important that you figure out what you need to restore and rejuvenate and what makes you happy and what brings you joy so that then you can show up energized for everyone. I think that's the thing about leadership. It's like, take care of yourself because people are expecting you to show up and lead them. And you can't be tired or feel guilty or be down on yourself because that shines through when you're interacting with people. You can, but it's going to be a different result. (laughs) It's going to be a different result. Can we please talk about this uh, concept of guilt for a hot second? Because I've talked a lot about uh, guilt, uh, different facets of this podcast, and I actively attempt to not have it ease into my life. But I will just share this morning. This is now the therapy session and Stephanie's going to fix my situation. I was just feeling like I was feeling all the, all the pressures all at the same time. Like one kid was crying caused by the other kid. And then I hadn't gotten ready yet. And I wanted to walk them to school, but I, I couldn't pull myself together in time. And then my husband looked at me. He's like, Oh, I thought you were going to go for a walk with me. But then I had to have my book edited. I was totally not in my, in my zone and in my game. And what I realized derailed me from all of it was this attempt, my guilt, it was literally guilt I felt emotionally towards all of the entities in the morning. And I could pull myself back into intention and like settle that down. But how do we protect ourselves from that? Because I feel like this all started because I didn't intentionally protect myself from that walking into this morning. I don't know if we can actually protect ourselves from every situation like that. I think that's oh. actually the truth. But here's, here's what I do in that situation. What I've learned is to ask myself a question. Should I ask for help right now? It's taken a lot of practice, but for me, it was like last night, I thought I was going to make dinner. I thought, okay, I'm going to make this really nice dinner. But there was something that had a deadline. I really needed to get it done so that I didn't have to fester and think about it all night or I wouldn't have a good sleep. Um, and sleep is important, right? So I, I know all these things that trigger or will have a negative outcome. And I said to my husband, I said, well, first of all, he helped me. He's like, I don't think you are making dinner tonight. And what I could have done is felt bad about that. I said, you're right. Can you help me make dinner, please? And then next time, maybe I can just say, you know what? I'm in no condition to make dinner. 
you guys are going to have to fend for yourself or I'll just, I'll fend for myself. And when I did that, I actually had dinner waiting for me because it was just a nice gesture. I think, first of all, it's amazing you have more than one kid. So I I am not an authority on that. I, I would like to think if I was in that situation, I would say, okay, everyone, my day is not going as planned. I need some help. You two that are crying, I need you to hug and just put it aside and we'll deal with whatever was happening. But I need you to be okay right now. Like just like hug it out and then we'll talk about it on the way to school. I can't go for a walk, all this stuff. Like I would have just asked for help. Just like, can I have help, please? I need help. And show a bit of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You all are part of my team here as a family and I can't give to you right now. I need some help because there's a lot of pressure on me at this moment. I think that that transparency is so, uh, so key and so insightful. Funny, again, just coming off this leadership conversation, I was like, leaders must be transparent. And then it's true. And certainly for me, when I am in my own space and in my home, that is the one place where I find I am least transparent is with my family around some of those pieces. And maybe I justify they're still young or there's still this, but I think there's probably an opportunity for everyone to grow from that practice of asking for help. I really like that. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask them to make dinner for all of us tonight. We're going to see what happens. We know when we're going to take longer on something, we know like, oh crap, I thought this would be quick. It's a lot more involved than I anticipated. Right. And then you decide, do I have to do it or not have to do it all today? Like, and then if you have to do it today, you have to rearrange your day to make that happen. And I think that losing the guilt is acknowledging that and being okay with that change. And one of the things before I actually took the leap to go full-time in my business, I asked my family, I said, are you ready for me to do this? Like, it means I'm going to need your help in different ways. And they were all in and said, yes. And I write about this a little bit on my blog. Like, they're part of your team. Your family's part of your team as a business owner. For sure. Well, we talk about it in the context of it's a family business. And everybody's got different jobs within the family. For some reason, I feel like the family business day starts at 9am. So I, I carry a disproportionate amount of burden before the day, but we might just have to reorient the work hours for this family business. But we do use that context a lot that they understand that, you know, it is a little bit unorthodox. And it's different that, you know, mommy and daddy work from home and build their own things. And so that gives us certain flexibility. And it means you guys have to step up in different ways. But they're going to get the memo this evening that their work day starts. It starts a little bit sooner. And there are some decisions I don't want to make in the family, just like I, I wouldn't want to make in my business as it grows as well. So I defer things to other people in the family and I accept that it might not be exactly the way I want it. So it's my husband that makes sure we get to our medical appointments on time and, and do all that and like take care of all that. I, I can't keep that in my brain or, or keep track of that. So I delegate that. So I think it's understanding all the tricks and tips we use in our business what I teach parentpreneurs is those still apply in your family, just in a different context. And I hear you on that. Like for anyone out there who's like, oh, never thought of handing those things over. I do that too. All my girlfriends text my husband when there is a birthday party, he gets them signed up for all the things. Like I'm constantly asking him like, where is soccer tonight? I can't hold space for any more things. And then I take care of things certainly within our family that he can fully delegate and hand authority to me that has been a game changer for us behind the scenes. You mentioned this term and I, I introduced it at the beginning, but I'd love for you to be able to share, like you talk about this notion of a parentpreneur and specifically this concept of a peaceful parentpreneur. What are you talking about when you use that term? I'm talking about the peace within our family and the peace within yourself as a parent. 
accepting where things are at. I think I could use the recent example with my son and his education. I had to accept where he was at with his learning and not wish he was further along than what he was. And when I accepted that, I got some special tutors to help him. And it's not an overnight thing, but now a year later, he's excelling and loving learning again because he didn't love learning when he was struggling. And that was really hard for someone like me to have a kid that didn't like learning. Like, then there's something wrong. Like, what's going on? But I had to accept that and meet him where he was. And so that's what the peaceful parentpreneur is. It's, it's sort of meeting people where they're at, accepting it and getting the right help or support. And that's why I'm building this community so that if people have support they need with education or health or other things, they know I'm going to talk to Stephanie Allen because she'll know someone that can work with me as a parent and a business owner. And I want to be that number one resource for people. So I think that's, that's what it means to me that you accept where you're at and then you assess and figure out how you're going to make it better. And when you follow that, peace happens. What I was going to say, it speaks to your, your value system as a consultant and authority within the marketplace, because as a parent, as someone who values health, as someone who's like going to spend the time to like meditate and be intentional in the morning, working with a consultant who would look at me and be like, maybe you should just work a little bit harder in your business. There's not going to be no chemistry. There's going to be no symmetry. Like our value system is going to be divergent from the beginning. And I really appreciate what you're saying because it is really is the ultimate have your cake and eat it too type of moment that uh, you're going to help people scale their impact and their business, but you're going to do it in a way that still enables them to lean in as the parent uh, that they want to be, which I think is amazing. But how do you do that when you're looking at a business where it's busy and the, and the owner is overwhelmed? Where do you start with them? Because this is something I hear all the time in my audience as well. The first quick win is what are the priorities? Often I find before they work with me, they're trying to do a lot in, a, in too short of a period of time. And my favorite thing is after I start consulting with someone, they're, they start to use things like, oh, I, I need more time to do that. And then when we start to talk about sales and profitability, it's like, well, what can you do in a shorter period of time to hit your revenue? Or how much revenue do you need? And then we prioritize versus trying to do all the things they think they should be doing. So it's getting really clear and precise about what matters most and applying the frameworks. Like if you have more than three goals in a day, you're probably going to have a tough day. And you can do that maybe once or twice in a week. But if you're doing that every day, you're going to burn out. And that's how I would, would counsel them. And so people that work really hard and have a hard time slowing down, I integrate small little windows for them to unplug. So I say, you know, you're not working on your business on Sunday. Your business will be fine for 24 hours if it's the type of business that's not on every day of the week. And when it is a business that's seven days a week, it's important you're restoring every day then. You have to give yourself chunks of time. So, but it's prioritizing. What do you absolutely have to do? And then going from there. What are the common stories you hear from those people who have trouble slowing down? And, and I very intentionally didn't say realities or truths, but like, I think it actually sometimes starts with the stories. I think the most limiting story I see people tell themselves is that they feel that it has to be them, that I'm the only one that can do this. If I don't do it, it won't be done right. And those are the people I like to help the most, actually, because if I can teach them how to train, how they think, 
to download the information and then see people show back the work. And they, if they can just invest, you know, it could be three months, six months before it gets to the point that they trust it. But once they do that, they have more freedom in their schedule. I really appreciate that. Is that they think they have to do it themselves. It has to be them. I shared one of the things that transitioned this for me. I will toot my own horn set here and say I'm a good delegator. Like when I've handed something off to someone, I have no interest in micromanaging it. I am like, it is 100% yours. But I wasn't always that way. And I was in my clinic space one evening and it was 11 o'clock at night. And I was right downtown in downtown Toronto. And I had this rule that I wasn't going to bring work home on a clinic day. I was going to finish my files. And I literally, I was like, Megan, this is, this is BS. Like you can't spend the whole day talking about balance and you are alone in an office tower in downtown Toronto trying to finish your files because of these silly rules you've created for yourself. And so I printed off a diet diary and I brought it back to my desk and I started for the next week writing down every single thing I did in my life, like from folding laundry to calling back patients to doing whatever it was that I was doing at that phase of my life and career. And I said to myself, when you have 12 hours or more of tasks that do not have to be done by you, and I highlighted in pink and yellow, the things that had to be done by me versus not me, like seeing patients isn't something I could delegate. That was like a by me laundry. I'm really quick at it. But my goodness, I didn't have to do it. I realized I had like 24 to 36 hours of things happening in a week that had no reason to be on my to-do list. And it was a life-changing moment. I think I probably swung the other way in terms of my delegation, but that completely changed the quality of my life and the growth of my business. I got out of my own way. That is not a question. That was just me dumping. But I know one of the things you do with people is you help them build these scalable routines. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what does that mean? And what do people have to get out of the way in order for those to be effective? Well, I think one of the most interesting thing is because I talk about tiny changes. You know, some of the opposition I get to that is like, what's really going to happen in five minutes? Right? So like, you're you're telling me I'm actually going to change in five minutes. But it was actually one of your challenges I did the six and six challenge or something. What was it called? I forget. But oh, yeah. That was like back in the day. Yeah. So I did that because it was like the six things that you have to work on getting out of your nutrition in your life, right? And so movement. So I started doing five minutes of yoga just before that challenge. And then I upped it and started doing HIIT workouts during that. Five minutes of yoga wasn't just five minutes of yoga. It was like taking time for myself, investing in movement. And then it changed my mindset a little bit. But after 16 months, I had lost weight just by starting with five minutes. I think it's... BJ Frog or something, he talks about tiny habits and that, and it really works. Like that's really, really got me onto it. So that's how I start. So it's like, what's one thing you can do that you love and, and really have joy doing? Like that's really what I try to teach the business owners I work with first and integrate it. So sometimes it's reading, sometimes it's going for a walk, sometimes it's running, like whatever it is, you just start, you start with something and scalable. And what I mean by scalable is that I think it's a bit of a brain hack. So every morning and every evening, Regardless of the time, I do the same rituals that I really enjoy. So my brain feels rested. So whether I go to bed, I'll be honest, whether I go to bed at like 9.30 or 2 a.m., which sometimes happens, my brain doesn't feel like it's late. It feels like, oh, now we're getting into the bedtime routine. I'm calming down and I have a good sleep. And then maybe I sleep longer that next day. So this is what it's like being a parentpreneur. I'm not going to be part of the 5 a.m. club every day. 
but there will be days throughout the week where I'm part of the 5am club and I love it. But then there are other days where I'm the 9am club because I pushed myself really hard due to my family and commitments and my work. And now I'm restoring and it's restoring in that moment. In what you're saying, what I'm hearing you make space for consistently, and you've shared this throughout the course of this interview, is you bring a flexibility to the work that you are doing. You're like, I'm making dinner. I am not making dinner tonight, right? It's not this like my way or the highway or it's in my journal. Therefore, it must happen. Are you inherently a flexible person or did you have to learn to become flexible as you added more to your life? I was a pretty A-type stressed out kid that thought I had to do like step A, step B, step C, and I still catch myself. And it was actually surrounding myself with people that thought differently that helped me do this. And I've, I've actually been investing in my personal development since I was 20. I started having coaches when I was 20 because I just did not accept that this was the, the life for me. So that's probably why I'm on this journey and so passionate about it. It's a mindset shift and you kind of have to just shift your mind where you're ready and where you're at. I love it because you're talking about the trends of 2022 and all about mindfulness and stuff like that. And it's exactly where I am too. Like you, there comes a point where it's really more about what your own limiting beliefs are and you, you reach them at each level of as you grow, they also become new things to, to surpass. So I've become a flexible person. And this is why I think I'm passionate about parentpreneur because I became a better person when I became a parent because I didn't have the luxury of all these assumptions. I had to get really, really smart with how I lived my life. And I had to start taking care of myself for the first time when I became a parent. And if I can help anyone start taking care of themselves before they have children, that's a win. Because I, I, I imagine what could I have done if I had thought this way before I had kids? But maybe it's not possible for me until I had the kid. I don't know. But it's just, it is what it is. But I like to talk about it because I want to mind shift someone before they become a parent. I want to teach people that my most success happened when I became a parent too. I experienced that too. It's like my secret, my secret weapon, as it were, for growth. Like if I had 20 minutes, I use those 20 minutes because I didn't, I didn't know when someone was going to be crying or need my attention or like there was no, there was no dilly dallying or distraction. It was like that ruthless focus. We are moving through a transitional period and how people have lived their lives of the autonomy that we have been able to hold as individuals. What do you think is going to be different for the workplace and entrepreneurial landscape for the better? on the backside of pandemic living? Well, I definitely think that it'll be different for every business owner. So I think it comes down to like what's most important to them and what is going to energize them and keep them energized in the business they run and where do they think they need to adapt. But what I hope happens for the better and remains is that people have more choices. What I mean by that is that, that people have a choice to work virtually or to go in person and that businesses adapt and can provide cohesive, healthy environments for what's so hard right now, a hybrid experience that we, we find a way to have a unified experience there or get really specific of which type of business we want to be and be safe about it and evolved about it in whatever that means for that business. So I actually hope it creates more empathy for people to say, that works for you. I, I appreciate that. This is what works for me. And I think 
your most recent podcast about that a little bit. You're talking about a little bit of that too. And I think I would love if that was the change that remained after the pandemic. I would love that too. And I think there's some changes where we might not get them on a societal level, but we can make the choice to have them available to us as individuals and as personal leaders. It's how it's changing my parenting is that I'm going to teach my kid, are the actions you're taking going to impact anyone else? Yes or no. And if it's no, you do whatever you want. And if it's yes, it will, then think about if you can live with the impact you will have and if it's positive or negative. And that's what I want. I'm going to help teach the younger generation that I'm around. I feel like this is a perfect place to transition our interview because I, I love this idea of you know emerging from problems now to the legacy that we can leave and the intentionality around some of those elements. And what I want to ask you about, Stephanie, is something that I'm calling impact ingredients. So just like a series of ideas that I would love for you to comment on and give insight uh, to our listeners about. And the first is this, how do you cultivate courage in your own life? Because to be an entrepreneur, I believe that we are having to confront and make courageous decisions on a daily basis. Is there a place you go to really be able to cultivate and lean into that? Yes. And it's from one of my teachers. Michael and Audrey Sahota created these frameworks about evolutionary leadership and emotional science. So I go to the teaching of emotional science when that happens. And I actually talk myself through, basically, is this true? What is this from? Let it go, all that. I think courage comes from acknowledging your fear, addressing it, like, and then letting it go. I think that's what courage is. And so I actually like to go to the emotional science part of it. I can give you the link to the book if you're curious about it. But there's a whole grounding and going through experiences and figuring that out and realizing this is my past. This is not who I am now or not who I'm becoming. That's how courage happens. I think that's amazing. And yes, everyone who's like, yes, we do want that link. We'll put it. We're going to put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it's not even, I don't get anything from it. It's just, it's a tool that I use and I want to give credit where credit's due. But yes, yeah. I love that. What is the single most important health commitment that you hold space for in your life? I actually wrote this down. Like, I will not accept toxicity in my body or in my environment ever again. And so if I can't help make it healthy, I remove myself or I remove it from me. I like that. You know what? That's one of the first times someone has answered where it's about the boundary of what can't come in as opposed to something that they have to do. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. And stepping off of that, in addition to not allowing toxicity into this this space, what is another non-negotiable? that you have implemented in your life that has made a big difference in how you live? One of the things I'm most proud of is that I make time for family time every day. It just might not be the same time every day. I connect with my family and my loved ones. And the other thing I do is when I feel really crappy about myself, I reach out and support someone who needs it. And suddenly I don't feel so bad anymore. You're just a wealth of wisdom. Like I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to ask you more questions because there's so many things coming out here that are pure gold. What's the most important failure that you've moved through in your life? One was in university where I failed. I went back and like knocked out of the park with the the grades and everything. And it was like, I didn't give up. So I think that's pretty cool where I failed my year of university. And it was one teacher that said, you're going to really succeed in your career, but I I can't pass this, this, even this course. My hands are tied. And that was a really powerful conversation 
Another time I failed, which I don't really see as a failure, but when I tried to have my, my second kid, it didn't happen. So first of all, I didn't know how I was going to work this out. Basically, it's really thanks to you, Megan, that I even have a kid. I struggled with infertility for many years. It took me nine years to have Ben. And it was you that got me into the right specialist. And that specialist was amazing. And I went back and I'll just say it was Dr. Hannum. I went back and I talked with him and he, because he said when it didn't work, he's like, can you come back and talk with me? And he's like, I was one of the only people that did that. So I think that through not being able to have the second child, I was able to equip Dr. Hannum of what it felt like and how I was moving forward in my life. And I basically said, I have all this love to give. I guess I'm going to have to find another way to give it. And that's actually what was the beginning of me making the commitment to the parentpreneur journey. And then it just took a few years to actually realize it and make it happen. So that was a very, like, it was like, it was a failure to have a kid. And I live every day with not giving my son a sibling who wanted one, but we talk about it and everything. That's a failure out of my control, but I tried. The third one was in my marriage, actually. And I recovered it, but I just wasn't being very vulnerable and honest to let people. These are the things I want to talk about when I talk with business owners is that having a kid was really tough. And so in the first three years, my husband and I didn't have the same relationship anymore. And I was looking outwardly to him to make me feel better. But it's actually, I had to like step up and help myself feel better. So I went and got the right help. Thanks to some amazing women around me at the time. We called ourselves the health and wellness girls, or the health and wellness gals. We're not together in the same way, but they have a special place in my heart. And I got the right help and I realized it had nothing to do with my marriage. And I think that was the beginning of my mindfulness journey uh, of that. But now we've been together over 20 years and without that failure on my part to be strong emotionally at that moment, that's never going to happen again. So I guess those are some really real vulnerable failures to share with your audience there. And what is so profound about each of them is that all of them in time became these tremendous jumping off points for you to have the impact and influence and purpose in your life and in your world that I am witnessing being so fulfilling to the work that you do. And so on that note, my last question for you, entrepreneurship, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? So I actually have a unique answer for this because I listened to your podcast and I'm like, no one's answering this the way I would answer it. So I'm going to answer it. And I actually think that it's born within a person that like you have a drive that you want to change the world to be a better, like you want to make an impact to make a better place. And it comes out of different scenarios, either something that brings you a lot of joy, trauma, an experience. Like I've seen different reasons why business owners have created their business but they've decided to turn something into something that's greater than themselves. So what happens then is you have to believe in yourself to make it happen. So that's why I don't necessarily think that you're born with it. I think it's born from within you. And then when you make that decision, you learn how to be an entrepreneur. And we are going to just drop the mic at that piece. Stephanie Allen, it is Always a pleasure to have an opportunity to hang out with you. Where can we send people so that they can have that same opportunity as well? Great. You can come over to my website, uh, The Peaceful Parentpreneur, and you can connect with me there and have a, a free quick consult there or join my mastermind called Prosper Mastermind. We meet once a month. We deal with our number one challenge and what's going on inside and outside of our business, which is a lot of fun. And I'm also hanging out in the Success Circle Network, where we talk about being entrepreneurs with success without sacrifice. And I have a business partner, Bethan Jepson, 
Um, and her and I are talking all about all that. So you can catch me there if you want to join the Facebook group. And I'm there live every Friday talking about business, sex education, ancestral healing, all this stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's amazing uh, entrepreneurs there from around the world that I get to talk to. All amazing all the time. We're going to hook everybody up with links to all of these things. If you head over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast, you can grab our show notes, all the links, including the awesome books and resources that Stephanie mentioned. Stephanie, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being here. Great. Thanks, Megan. What a beautiful woman and guest and entrepreneur and amazing all-round individual. As I said, I was so excited for you to have the opportunity to get to know Stephanie and her work and insight and values that she is putting out into the world. And it reminded me as we were in the middle of the interview, this, this idea of intention. And I mentioned that I had shared this also on another podcast that I was a part of today, this idea of setting intention, being clear around our boundaries. Stephanie talked about having three things at most that we're aiming to get done as leaders within our business on a daily basis. And as she was saying it, I was I was getting more and more excited on the inside because I was simultaneously staring down at my hard copy version of the Anthropology Planner. And I've shared this with you before. I talked about this at length, but it really had been a two-year dream of mine to create a planner that I could refer to on a daily basis that really enabled me to work and prioritize in alignment with my values. And I have been waiting almost three months for the supply chain issue that is affecting the entire world to deliver the rest of my planners to me. And guess what? Literally in the middle of this episode, I could hear the doorbell ring with a pallet of books ready to come inside. So I know many of you have been asking how you can get your hands on one of these anthropology planners. We'll have all uh, order forms and pages set up and ready to go very, very soon. But if you'd like to be at the top of the list to receive a copy of the anthropology planner, you can head over to anthropologylabs.com forward slash planner link is also in the show notes, you can download a version of it. So you can have a look and um, but we'll put you at the top of the insight list. So the second we have these unpacked, and we have them ready to ship over the next few weeks, you will be able to get your hands on yours. I also know and I've been hinting at this, that we've got some big changes and big announcements coming over the course of the next few weeks. If you want to stay tuned in and up to date, because I think we're about 20 days away from sharing that big news, make sure you are following me on Instagram and consider hanging out with us in our online community, the Anthropology Collective, you can find us over on Facebook. Until next Tuesday, when we meet again, I am Megan Walker, your host, and I am wishing you an impactful week ahead. 